0: Yes, Father, that's our prayer in this place this morning, whether we're all watching online or in the room. Would we just bow our heads, close our eyes, and stretch out your hands towards the Lord as a sign to say, God, we're just here for you. Praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, because, Lord, all of our life is leading to the moment where we meet you face to face, and we will spend eternity with you, Lord if we're a believer in Jesus Christ. And it says in Revelation that we'll all circle around the Lion and the Lamb, the throne of God, and we'll all be singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Lord, I think that's what's so beautiful about worship, even on a a normal Sunday morning, is we get a glimpse of heaven. We catch a vision of what the rest of eternity is going to be like if we're a believer in Jesus. And so, Lord, we just thank You that You sent Your Son, and You didn't just send Your Son to die for us, but You sent Your Spirit so that we didn't have to wait till we get to heaven, but heaven now lives in us if we were a believer in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I know right now, with heads bowed eyes closed, our hands, outstretched to You, I know there are so many crazy things happening in the world today. We think of what's happening in Ukraine right now. Lord, we just intercede in the name of Jesus, God, that You would bring peace, that You would bring justice. Lord, that weapons would be laid down. It says in Scripture that we do not fight flesh and blood, but we fight principalities, evil spirits in the world. And so, Lord, we come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, would you bring peace, shalom, cover the country of Ukraine right now, God. I know that families are being separated at the border and families are on a run for their life. But God, I pray that whether they're a believer or not, they would all experience the supernatural presence of God with them. Emmanuel. Peace that transcends understanding, Lord. It says in your word when the disciples were on a run for their life being persecuted, it said that somehow they had great joy in the midst of suffering. And so, Lord, that's what we pray. Not only would you bring peace, but would you give joy to those that are being harmed right now, Lord. That. You would bring breakthrough. That's only supernatural from your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we pray for those in Russia, those who are in leadership, God. You tell us to pray for our enemies, Lord. And so for the people of Ukraine, I know they imagine and and think of this moment as Russia is the enemy. But Lord, we know the devil is really their enemy. That's at work through them. And so, Lord, we pray for those who are in leadership in Russia. We pray that there would be conviction. We pray that they would see how powerful life is that they will bear on the judgment day. The decisions that they're making right now before you, God. So I pray that you would break through, that you would bring transformation, you would bring healing, heal our land. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. If you are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning, would you say amen? amen. Come on, the Lord has been on the move over the past five weeks. This is week number six of One Church. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, come on, we can clap. That's okay to get excited. People who are watching online, people that are coming into the building, we're just trying to get out of the way for God to move, amen? Lives are being touched. People are coming to Jesus. I think we'd have 16 people raise their hands to say yes to Jesus since we started. Can we just clap for that? That's amazing. Lives are being changed. But we're here to meet with God, amen? Okay, that was a, there was no amen. Amen? Okay, maybe I'm here to meet with God, all right? But I wanted you to know three things, especially before we jump. in. number one is this, you belong here before you believe. That is a phrase that we say is a part of our culture, not just to have a Christian cliche to say, oh, that sounds good, but genuinely it says in Scripture, we were just singing about it, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So before we ever cared about Jesus or the church or one church, Jesus said, you had a place in my family before you ever even thought of me. Before you were ever even born, God had a plan for your life. Amen? So we want to welcome you to the table. Whether you feel like you're in the church or you're a strong believer or not, you are welcome here. And the second thing is this. We don't just want to reach those that may feel like they're far from God, but we want to unleash. Everybody say unleash. I want to speak to those that want to go deep as well. Is that okay? Anybody want to go deep this morning? Watching online, maybe in the room? The third thing is this. When I stand up here as the lead pastor and share... I don't get up on stage and say, hey, uh, look at my life that I have it all figured out. Actually, I feel really broken and I actually feel like this is just a testimony of what I feel like God is teaching me, what he's speaking to me throughout the week. I don't want to just preach a message that sounds like, oh, that could be popular, that could go on Facebook. I want to hear from heaven for this morning. Is that okay? And I've been preparing, I've been seeking God, and I really believe this word is for this morning, that this is for our church, whether we're watching online and anyone that's just visiting, this is a word for this morning. Amen? Let's pray one more time for just about 15 seconds or so. Let's just welcome the Lord into this time. God, we just thank you that your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, your word is different than any text known to man because it is alive. It's breathing. It's able to speak to our very situation. It's able to speak to our very financial situation, our very relationship, our very thought patterns, our very addictions that we're trying to find freedom from. Your word speaks through it all right to it. And so Father, I pray that you would remove me from the equation. Any of the notes that I have that you even want to change, or just, Lord, we pray that you would lead us this morning. We say, welcome Holy Spirit. We know that you're already with us, but we give you permission. If you're, Okay, just stretch out your hands to the Lord again like we did in worship, just right before you where you're sitting, watching online. God, we're just stretching out our hands. You just say, we want to hear from you. God, I pray that you give us a soft heart, that you would break down our pride. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, so that none of us, whether we're watching online or in the room, would leave unchanged. But all of us would encounter the living God. And we would be eternally transformed. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's clap one more time. I'm excited to be here. God is on the move. We are in a brand new series. Not week four. I guess it's not brand new anymore. Called CORE. Everybody say CORE. CORE. I joked the past two weeks, I might as well do it again, that uh, I'm not up here doing aerobics or crunches, although I think I just worked out my core for the first time in like four or five weeks, maybe more. So uh, that's something else I need to work on. But we are in a series called Core. Everybody say Core. The title of my message this morning is Who is in Your Circle? Turn to your neighbor and say, We just became friends. Turn to the person behind you and say, We just became friends. Now some of you are like, wait, 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 hold on. Like, you and your spouse better be friends at this point. Okay, maybe that's what we need to preach uh, this morning. But John 16, I want to start out with this foundational scripture. Jesus says this. I've told you these things. that You're going to go through some difficult things in life. So that in me you may have... Everybody say, peace. peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. As we are a brand new church six, six weeks in... One of the things that I was praying about that I really felt strong from the Lord is I'm not going to preach a message that's going to be, oh, that would be really popular. That would be cool. That's what everybody wants to hear. I want to give you the real gospel. Is that okay? Because as your pastor, as your leader, I'm committed to never sugarcoating anything. I don't want to give you a false picture of what Christianity really is going to be about. And so we start off with this scripture to say, hey, if you want to join one church, if you want to get on board with what's happening in the kingdom of God, more importantly, it's not going to be easy. And for anyone that told you that the prosperity gospel is the way, the truth, and the life, they're lying to you. Because oftentimes when we want to follow Jesus, life actually gets harder sometimes. And I'm not here to preach a doom and gloom message. I'm not here to say, everything's going to be terrible. No, no, no. Jesus says, I'm going to give you something that the world can never give you. Peace. Joy. an identity. an inheritance. Security. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Jesus wants to give us something that the world can never give us. And so Ephesians 3.16, this has been the foundation of what we've been preaching on the past four weeks. I have prayed, or out of the last three weeks, excuse me, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you. Paul is saying, hey, life is going to get crazy sometimes. People might even leave you. You might go through some financial situations. You might be going through some stress at work. You might feel like someone misrepresented you. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Paul is basically saying to the church of Ephesus that he is pastoring. He's saying, hey, At the end of the day, it's really not about the biggest house you can buy, that boat that you're saving up for, maybe in Indiana, maybe you're not saving up for a boat, maybe you're at Morris Lake somewhere, but all of the things that the world chases for satisfaction, for identity, for approval, Paul's saying all those things are just like smoke. They're all passing away. And yes, God wants you to be blessed. It actually says in Scripture that if you're a believer, you are highly favored. The Lord even says that He wants to prosper you, not to harm you, but But what is that blessing? Well, it's actually not about the material blessings that we all give our lives to. All the Instagram fame and all that stuff. But it's actually about what's happening in your heart. God wants to bless your spirit. He wants to give you a core that's so strong. Everybody say core. Core. He wants to give you a core that's so strong that no matter what happens to your finances, no matter what happens with your family, no matter what happens at work, and your relationships, you are anchored to a firm foundation. In Jesus' name. And the world can never take it from you. They can never take your joy. They can never take your peace. They can never take your security. Why? Because we have a strong, everybody say, core. Core. We have a strong core. And so here's the illustration that we've been working through. As I felt like God was showing me this, downloading this into my mind, I felt like He broke it down into four different things. Everybody say, Christ, Christ, ourselves, ourselves, relationships. relationships. Everything else flows from these three places. Our relationship with Christ. Everybody say intimacy. intimacy. Let me just walk you through this. I wish I had a fancy sermon illustration, but I don't. Okay, so. First off, we must have a really strong relationship with God. Not just, hey, I know about God. Like, I've been to church before. Like, yeah, I would consider myself a Christian because that's the way I vote. But like, you know God personally. Right? Because we know there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Right? But the Lord says, I don't just want you to have a strong, everybody say, intimacy. Intimacy is just knowing God as a friend, as a father. But you must have a strong, everybody say, identity. We must have a healthy relationship with ourselves to have a healthy relationship with others. Amen. Like, we can't just have a strong prayer life and then be living in all these crazy insecurities and lies about what the world tells us. We have to know who we are in Christ, what the word says about us, right? But then those things flow into our relationships. And this is where I want to speak to you this morning. Number one is this. Your circle will make you or break you. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this. Do not be misled. I know what the world is telling you. That you can kind of hang out with whoever. And party with whoever. And and get married to whoever. but, But the scripture says bad company corrupts good. Everybody say character. That you could have A strong intimacy with God, you could have a strong identity, you could have a strong purity in your life, that you're you're not trying to live in sin, you're trying to follow Jesus. But but if we have an unhealthy circle of people around us, the the other three could crumble. In other words, I would say like this, a strong relationship with God in ourselves is not enough to have a strong core. I know that might sound controversial, right? Wait, wait, wait. No, it's just Christ alone. It's just Christ alone. Like I just need Jesus in my life. But God is so good, you guys, that he knew that he didn't want to just send his spirit to be with us to have a strong prayer life. But he wanted to send us the right people. Right? Are you with me? Because we could go to church, we could have a strong prayer life, we know the word, okay I want to live for God, but, but if you have people that are dragging you into temptation, that are speaking fear into your life, they're speaking doubt into your life they're pulling you back into your old ways they're always naysayers, you'll never do that, God will never move, you will stay in the same place forever your circle will make you or everybody say, break you but sometimes we are blind to the impact close relationships are having on us Right? Because some people, we just grew up with them. Well, they were in the same cul-de-sac as me. I grew up, right? Anybody ever grew up in a cul-de-sac? Okay, that's like the best, all right? Uh, for so many reasons. You use your neighbor's house as a home run. Maybe don't do that. That's what we did. But, but some, some kids and some people that you grew up with in your family, some of them you didn't choose to be in your circle. Like, let's just preface with that. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a grandparent, aunt and uncle. I don't know who raised you, I don't know who you grew up with, but sometimes we just have to take a step back. And before we evaluate all the other relationships in our life, there's some people that you didn't even choose, right? You were just born into it. But we're blind to the impact that close relationships are having on us. And so I want to show you a story from the Old Testament, right before they're about to go into the promised land. Caleb he silenced the people before Moses and he said this, Numbers 13, 30 through 33. He said, we should go up and take possession of the promised land. Anybody heard of the story about the promised land? Yeah? No? Maybe so? Caleb silenced the people before Moses. He said, we should go up and take possession of that promised land. They were actually spies going out to kind of check out what the scenario would look like. He said, let's go take possession of it. He's got this confidence, this boldness. But the men that went with him, maybe the circle of people around him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. I mean, and they started to spread a bad report. They started to gossip and spread all of this fear, right? That's what a bad circle of people does. They start spreading rumors and fear and insecurities and gossip. They can't help themselves. In verse 33, it says, We we saw Nephilim there. We saw the descendants of Anak. We seem like grasshoppers. They're not only acting out of insecurity, they're acting out of fear. There's no way God could take us to the promised land. Look how big that is. Look at how much difficulty we'd have to go through. So look at the difference between Caleb and the other men. Caleb responds with faith, and the other men respond with doubt. Same scenario. They go in and check out the same land, but they respond in two different ways. Are you with me? I want to share a phrase with you that I heard a pastor say recently. He says this, If they hold your ear, they hold your faith. Another way to say it would be like this, Your inner circle, as much as you think you're a strong Christian, you're, you're getting on the right track, if they hold your ear, they hold your attention, they hold part of your faith. Like if God wants to call you to leave that job, to move into new territory, to excel at your job, to excel in your leadership and all that stuff. If you have an unhealthy circle of people around you, you'll stay in the same spot. If they hold your ear, they hold your, everybody say, faith. Another way to say it would be this. You may not realize how much one negative influence could be holding you back. You could have... 10 people in your life that are all encouraging you and blessing you and there for you and then it's just that one person, right? That always responds with doubt, always responds with insecurity. They're always doom and gloom and everything's terrible and they're always dumping your problems, right? Dumping their problems on you. You may not realize that that might be the person that's holding you back from going all in for God. Are you with me this morning? I want to share a a story, and I promised myself that I would wait for a sports analogy for like four or five weeks, all right, but here we are in week six, so the Pacers, man, they're my favorite team, they're my diehard team, Um, you know, through and through, from Reggie all the way from Troy Murphy, you guys don't even know who Troy Murphy is, right? Okay, maybe you do, long hair, Danny Grange, okay, all the way through, I remember even watching the, the Malice at the Palace on TV, anybody remember that crazy moment? Die hard Pacers fan, and I know some people are like, Wait, you like Steph Curry? You're not a real fan. I promise I am. But I remember recently when we just traded for this guy named Tyrese Halliburton. Shout out to him. He's like 21 years old. He's supposed to be the next franchise point guard for us. But there's these moments as a point guard when you watch basketball, and I promise everybody will be able to relate to this, where the ball kind of tips off the rim, and your basket's down there, and you're defending down here, and the ball kind of lands in your hands, and then one of your teammates just takes off. Right? And you get the ball, and you're like, I'm about to be a quarterback right now. Like, I'm about to heave this to my wide receiver because they're running down the court. Anybody ever seen a pass like that in basketball? They throw like a pitcher or, or a quarterback, whatever. You know how many times that pass gets intercepted? Like, a lot of the time. Like, they grab, and they're like, boom, and then someone else cuts it off. Why? Because they couldn't see that they had a blind spot. They couldn't see The full picture And so the second thing I would say is this To bring it full circle A healthy circle of people in our lives It gives us vision from all Everybody say angles When we're making that decision about who we marry When we're making that decision about The job we take Whether we leave that friendship Whether we stay at that school All of those major life decisions that we're all making constantly A healthy circle Helps you see from all angles Amen Amen And so I want to unpack it a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to help me see. If you have glasses, I hope you can see. Turn to the person behind you and say, you got to help me see. Two places that I want to address, mentorship and accountability. Those are two church words that often are like, oh, mentorship, accountability? I shouldn't have that in my life, right? Why would I ever have that in my life? I want to make it really simple. I have two accountability partners, just to let you into my life. One that lives here while well, moving here into Westfield. His name is Jackson. Shout out to him. He's been one of my best friends for a while. He actually went to Westfield. We got baptized together. And then another guy named Tyler who lives down in Georgia. He's probably in like 72 degrees right now, okay? Down in Savannah, Georgia. And through this accountability, we've been... I Man, I've been friends with Jackson for years, but through other small groups, accountability groups. Anybody ever been in a small group before? One of the things that I feel like I've learned through that journey is we all have blind spots, right? We want to catch that ball. We want to make the pass. We want to make that quick decision in our life. This is where we're going to go to school. This is where our kids are going to go. This is what's going to happen in our finances. And and it feels good, if we're being honest, to be your own boss, right? It feels good to call the shots. Maybe for you, you're like, I never want to call the own shots in my life. But blind spots are basically this. Places... In our personality and our decision making, where we lack self awareness. All of us have blind spots. Whether you think you're brilliant, whether you think you're the best leader in the world, the best CEO in the world, or the best teacher in the world, we all have, everybody say, blind spots. I love I Proverbs 24.6. The NLT says this. So don't go to war. We just talked about this last week. Don't go to war when, you, when you're fighting the enemy, Satan, when you're, when you're engaging in spiritual warfare, all those crazy things that are going to come against us as believers. Don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many, everybody say, advisors. Scripture is basically saying Don't make that decision without talking to other people about it. And not just anybody, not just someone, oh, I just met you off the street, what do you think about the decision? No, no, I'm talking about wise counsel, mentorship, people that we trust. We know they're following Jesus. Are you with me? Another thing I just wanted to share too, just in our own journey, is that Leans and I, we really don't just value accountability, but we value mentorship. So we have several church partners, a part of one church. So I know we're in this little itty-bitty building in Westfield. But we have church partners in Georgia, in Maryland, all across Indiana. Not so it's like, oh, that looks really cool. But because we want to have people who are older than us speaking into us. Because we know we have blind spots. We know we're young leaders. We need people that have spent so much more time in ministry and life and marriage. Are you with me? So they're speaking into our life. And one of the things that I was really processing about how much they have helped us, how much they've spoken into us as we're laying the foundation of this church for decades to come, this phrase came to my mind that's so important. The voice of the Lord is confirmed. Everybody say confirmed. In Christian community. I know for some of us that's like, okay, let's unpack that a little bit. When you think you're hearing something from God, don't just check it with yourself. Check it with other mentors. Let me take you through a series of what we should be thinking about. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Because so many of us want to know, how do I hear from God? Anybody want to know, like, how do I hear from God? How do I know it's God, not my own voice, right? Three different things. Number one, everybody say the word. Number two, say prayer. Number three, community. First off... If you think God is telling you to jump off a cliff, that's probably not the voice of the Lord, right? Let's check in Scripture what that would have to say about that. Number two, when you pray about it, and you're not just praying alone, but you're praying with others. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's an accountability partner. The Word, everybody say the Word, in the Spirit, they will never contradict each other. Prayer will always confirm the Word. And the word will always confirm prayer. But then here's the third thing. Everybody say community. Community. This is where Christianity gets really off base sometimes in our denominations, traditions. Is We say, I heard from God. God told me this. You know, a lot of times that's how a lot of cults get started, right? I think I heard from God on the mountaintop. But really, we, we need to wake up and realize we're living in the New Testament era now where we don't just hear from God, but we check it with, everybody say, Community. So that we don't get off base, so we don't start believing things that are led by our hearts and our feelings and by what the world is teaching, but to say, no, 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 let me retrace my steps. It says in God's word this, and then I prayed about it, and then I talked to wise counsel. Then the voice of the Lord is, everybody say, confirmed. It's like the green light. I know this is from God because it wasn't just in my own prayer time. It wasn't just when I was at church Other people are affirming this, and not people that are not believers, but Jesus followers, right? That know God's voice. They know His word. They're saying, yeah, you're hearing from God. I can't tell you how many mentors we went to when we were thinking about planting one church. I didn't want to start a church just to start a church, right? So we're checking with mentors. We're talking to pastors, leaders that are influencing us. And they're saying, yes, you're hearing from God. This is a movement of God, not of you. If you agree with that, just say, amen. So what holds us back? What holds us back from that progression? What holds us back from having mentors, wise counselors? I love this phrase, pride pushes wise counsel away while humility draws it in. Pride says, there's no way you could speak into my marriage. There's no way you could speak into what I'm hearing from God because I'm my own boss. I hear from God and I know exactly what the word of the Lord says. No, no, no. The Bible says, actually, humility will draw those people in. Humility will draw mentors in. Humility will bring accountability in because you know you're human. You only see in part. We all have, everybody say, blind spots. Proverbs 13.10 says this, Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found. I love how simple this is. Wisdom is found in those who take advice, who are not too prideful to ask a question, to admit they don't know everything. Wisdom, if I were to break it down, would be this. Wisdom is a teachable, humble spirit. If you want to be wise, you have to be teachable. You have to be coachable. If you want to be wise, you have to be willing to admit, I'm wrong, I didn't see it that way. Man, I had a blind spot there. Are you with me? The Lord tells us in Scripture, Ask for wisdom. He will give it to you generously. But our pride is what separates us. Another way to say it would be this, Just because you're smart doesn't mean you're wise. You could be the most brilliant person in the world, have the most money, fame, influence, power, but if you're not teachable, you're not wise. You'll wreck everything God entrusted to you. I don't know where you're coming from in this, but God wants us to act in wisdom. I love this, Proverbs 13:20. How do we do this then? Walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with people, seek out mentors. Maybe we need to literally leave the service when we're done and say, I need to seek someone else out. Maybe that's a couple Maybe if you're married To say would you invest Into my marriage Would you invest Into our relationship I think that's one of the beauties Of a brand new church Is we don't have a youth group yet We're all serving together Right That kids are serving With their parents And we're all kind of In it together It's so beautiful Because we need the Multi-generational body Amen Like we don't need To separate everybody You're there You're there Uh, Young adults You're here It's like we are the body Of Christ Right And we need each other The young need the old The old need the young One of the most freeing and wise phrases ever spoken, right here, I don't know. Maybe the simple step this morning for some of us, whether you're watching online or in the room, is just being humble enough to say, I don't know. I don't know what to do with my finances. I don't know what to do with my marriage. I don't know what to do. Do I hang out with that person still? I mean, they're dragging me into temptation and pornography. I don't know, but I want to make sure that I don't cut them out of my life. Just just start with saying, I don't know. And seek someone out. Accountability would basically be this. Allowing, allowing your trusted circle to speak into your dreams, struggles, and decisions. And I just want to caution who speaks into your life, right? Because this isn't just, okay, uh, even though I told you to turn to the person next to you and say we just became friends. That's kind of a little playful. But we need to be really wise and discerning about who we let speak into our life. Some people don't have the best intentions. Some people look like they're for you, but they're really not. Some people love you to your face, but behind closed doors, they're gossiping about you. Are you with me? You ever experienced that before? So it takes, everybody say wisdom. wisdom. Some of us have yes men and yes women in our circle. They'll tell us everything we ever want to hear. Hey, do you think this is the right decision to uh, bounce from church to church to church to church to church for every single month of the year? That's a great decision, right? Right? Or, oh, should I leave that relationship? Of course you should. They're yes men, they're yes women, right? We really need to have people that can speak the truth in love, right? To tell you what you really don't want to hear, but they love you enough to tell you, right? Now, little side note. I was thinking about this, and even what I've experienced in my own life is, if the people that you would call some of your best friends, if they gossip about other people while you're hanging out with them, chances are they're going to gossip about you too. Right? You sit down at the table. Oh, I can't believe so-and-so. I can't believe so-and-so. When you leave the room, they're probably talking about you too. We have to have wise and discerning spirits about all of this. I think this is how we break it down for a trusted inner circle. An inner circle should be the people that remind you. Everybody say, remind. They should remind you, hey, this is what God has spoken over you. This is what He has done through you. They're not going to be the people that are dragging you into temptation, that are always saying, well, this is terrible, and the world is falling apart, and I can't believe so-and-so. They're going to drag you down. And maybe for some of us, it's that one person that's holding us back. That one person that's like, man, they've always been my best friend. We grew up together, you know. Maybe God is saying, yeah, you can like remain friends with them, but maybe more at a distance. Maybe you only participate in certain things. You you start to get a strong sense of, everybody say, Boundaries. Boundaries. We have to have good boundaries. 2 Timothy 1, 5-7. Look at how Paul is reminding Timothy. Come on, I want a friend, I want a mentor like this. He says, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your faith. It lived in your grandmother and your mother. He knows Timothy even beyond his circumstance. He's like, I know your family. And I know it lives in you also. He goes on to say, for this reason, everybody say, I remind. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Paul is a mentor to Timothy. He's reminding Timothy of his calling. Timothy, you're here for way greater reasons than just your work life, just that relationship. You're here to make an impact. Amen. Like that's the kind of people that we want in our core, in our circle. T D Jake says this: a true friend does not compete with you, they reflect you. Oh, that's good. Come on. A true friend is gonna be there with you when you are actually on the mountaintop. A lot of people would say, well, a true friend is when they're with you in the lowest of lows. No, no, I would say a true friend is there to celebrate you. When you get that job, when you get that promotion, when you finally marry the person of your dreams, are your friends there to mourn and to slander and to say, man, yeah, blah, blah? Are they there to celebrate you? Because a true friend will be there to reflect you. One of the things that we do as a team, as a, as a dream team of volunteers right before The service starts at 9 a.m. We gather at 8.30 and we just go around the room and we do what we call shout-outs. And it's not for a bunch of hype or, oh, they're a bunch of nice people. It's literally to say, when you come into one church, our hope and our prayer is that we reflect one another. That you can have a conversation with one of us on staff or, or, or as a volunteer and say, man, I walked away from that conversation. I feel like I know myself better. I feel like I have a better understanding of my identity in Christ. That we're not too insecure to call out the blessing in others. That we're not too caught up in our own pride to say, let's take a moment to shout out Drew. Let's take a moment to shout out to Leanza. It fosters a healthy culture. Are you with me? A true friend doesn't compete with you. They're not trying to outdo you to make you look bad, to make themselves look like the hero. They're there to reflect you. I want to keep moving forward, and we'll be done in just a few minutes. Number three is this. We must discern. Everybody say Discern. If we are easily sheltered or swayed. Now, I don't want any of us to be sheltered or swayed, but the truth is in our humanity and our brokenness, one of us, all of us at some point, are going to feel like we kind of lean one way or the other in our brokenness. So let me break it down a little bit. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally yoked. Now the moment I said that, you're thinking, oh, he's talking about marriage now and dating. No. Let's talk about all relationships. For what partnership does righteousness have with Lawlessness. What partnership, he's basically saying this, what partnership and what kind of fruit does it bring if you want to go all in for Jesus, but your inner circle is not Jesus' followers? You can be unequally yoked, not only in a marriage and a relationship, but a friendship. And those you call your squad, your crew, wherever you're at on the spectrum... And so think about it. If there's two oxen, I don't know how fast oxen are, and there's a yoke that connects the two, right? And one of them represents the calling, the leading of God when God wants to take you to the next level, when He wants to take you into your spiritual growth and you want to get rid of that addiction and get rid of all that stuff. He wants you to live in freedom, right? But then this oxen represents an unhealthy circle of people, naysayers, doubters, pulling you into temptation, fear. When when this oxen wants to move forward, what happens? What happens? you go in spiritual circles it's the same thing of what we were talking about with with feelings and and also living in a committed life for Jesus but what's going to happen is the prompting of the holy spirit's going to come hey go all in for God he's knocking on the door of your heart move into that next level start giving start serving and then if the people around you who hold your ear they hold a little bit of your faith too right And they start speaking in. It says in Proverbs, the tongue has the power of life and death. That those people can actually speak into what God's happening. It can be like a poison to your spirit. Some of us need to guard our heart. And so this is where I would explain the difference between being sheltered and swayed. Sheltered is the temptation to hide yourself from the world to a fault, right? Maybe you grew up in a Christian home where it's like, don't talk to that person. If they're an unbeliever, you can't be good friends with them, all that stuff. But, but the Bible's not telling us to be sheltered. Are you with me? He's not calling us to cut ourselves off from the world and say, no, 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 I'm too holy. That's, that's not how Jesus was at all. And we're going to look at that in a moment. But suede, everybody say suede. suede. That's kind of a cool, world. cool, cool word, right? Suede uh, sway in the morning, I don't know what that is about. But uh, the temptation to be in and of the world to a fault. So this is the, the temptation to lean a direction where it's like, Man, I want to be friends there. I want to be at all the parties. I want to be at everything going on in the world. And you fall into that temptation. You start going back into your old ways. You are tempted to be, everybody say, swayed. Swade. You're tempted to be swayed. But look, look at Jesus' life, how he was perfectly in the world and not of the world. Luke 5, then a Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Let me just make this plain and simple. We're watching online in the room. Jesus went to parties. Can we say that? Um, He did. And actually, his first miracle was at a wedding. He wasn't too afraid to brush shoulders with people that didn't believe anything about him. Actually, look at the disciples he called. They were probably the people that were cussing, swearing, drinking. They became some of his strongest followers. Jesus actually went. This large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious... They said, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to separate ourselves from the world. And Jesus goes on to say, no, no, no. It's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. You don't understand my mission. You think you know what religion is? You're way off. You don't understand that those are the people I came for. Those are the people we want to reach Jesus said, I have not call, come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm just going to make this statement, and I love it to the core of who I am, so I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. Jesus Jesus did not lock Himself in His home away from the world, afraid that others' sin might poison Him. It's the furthest thing of God's heart. It actually says in Scripture, and this is why we named our church this in some ways, you could have 99 sheep, and when the one strays, God leaves for the one. He seeks after that person. God has eyes for them. He sees them. Yeah, they may look differently than us and talk differently than us. They might be Buddhists. They might come from a different religion. But you know what? Jesus is going to be at that table. Jesus is going to be the person that says, I'm not going to hide myself. I can't ever talk to you again. No, he's perfectly, everybody say, in the world and not of it. He's perfectly balanced. So this is the tension right we, we want to be friends with that group We grew up with them They're our friends Maybe it's family members Maybe it's like man that aunt She gets crazy I don't know She gets crazy drunk at Halloween I don't know what's going on right We want to maintain a relationship with them I would say this phrase When we have a strong core You can sit at the table And be the influencer Some of us don't have a strong enough core yet To be the influencer at that table and let's just accept that. Let's just accept. Maybe there's a season in my life where I actually do need a little bit more distance so I can just get some really good friends. I need some good mentors in my life. I need some good accountability in my life. No, I'm not going to cut them off forever. But you have to have a stronger base, say, core. So you can sit at the table and start saying, hey, I know we're gossiping right now, and I know that we're talking about like, pornography and scandalous things and all of that stuff, but let's talk about something different. What else is going on in your life, right? You can start to steer the conversation and it's not to be manipulative, it's not to be controlling, but it's to say, I am an influencer of these people. And God calls us to steward that, amen? He calls us to steward that very, very carefully. So I want to end with these last two points. So we're talking about the importance of our, our intimacy, our identity, our purity, and everybody say circle. Our circle of people. And now this is where God puts it into your hands. He gives us free will. He doesn't control us. We're not a puppet. He actually presents things and then says, now it's in your hands to choose what you do with this. And so four and five, we'll start with number four is this. Maybe we need to be willing to work through some conflict. Because maybe some of you are hearing this message and you're like, ah, this is permission to leave my marriage now. Or this is permission to leave my job now. This is permission to leave that friendship. No, 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 no. Maybe God is telling you, First off, marriage is a completely different sermon, okay? So, there's a lot of stuff to unpack about that. Are you with me? So don't take me out of context. But maybe some of us, we need to work through conflict. Ephesians 4, 1-3, Paul says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you receive. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity. Everybody say unity. The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul is saying this, you are going to have conflict in your relationships. You're going to have moments where you misinterpreted what they said. You thought it was this, but really it was this. You're going to have that with your spouse. And some of us need to just get over ourselves, right? And keep moving forward. But the bait of Satan, the bait of Satan is the spirit of offense. We talked about this last week. Man, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they forgot to include me in that meeting. I can't believe that they forgot to call me. I can't believe... This is the truth. The devil will always fill in the gap with negative things in your mind. You walk away from a meeting, you walk away from a conversation, a relationship that you're talking, trying to work things out. When you leave and you're driving home, oh man, I can't believe so and so. The enemy will always fill in the gap with negative things. We have to be like people in the church of Ephesus that say, on every occasion, I'm going to bring unity. I'm going to choose to believe the best about people. Maybe someone is just so calloused in the room watching online. You're like, I don't think I could trust anyone ever again for what they did to me, how they hurt me. And and some of that is so valid, right? But I feel like the Lord is saying to someone this morning watching online, you have to be willing to trust again. If you're going to have a strong core, you have to be willing to trust. You have to be willing to believe the best about others. I know you might get hurt, but look at Jesus. Can we just be real? Jesus put his life on the line But the spirit of offense is running rampant. But some of us, we leave the moment it gets tough. We move from one relationship to the next, one job to the next, one marriage to the next, one job to the next. Some of us don't stay long enough to see the fruit. The moment it gets tough, we're out. The moment we get offended, I'm gone. The moment, oh, he said that? Nope, I'm gone. But God is saying, no, 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 there's something I'm doing in you and you need to stay long enough to see the fruit of what I'm doing. Are you with me? I know it's getting a little quiet. I thought of this phrase and this unpacks that same idea. God wants to do something in you more than remove you. Maybe it's less about your circumstances. Maybe you've been at that job for four, five, six years. You're like, I don't know why I'm still here. They drive me crazy. I don't know why. I want to leave. Everything that we want to do in our human nature is just to escape, right? Fight or flight, right? But what if God doesn't want to remove you? He's doing something in you. He's sharpening you. It's actually less about what's happening around you. It's more about what's happening in your heart. He's challenging you to grow in your humility. He's challenging you to grow in your patience. The last main idea I would share is this, and then we're going to be done. And again, this is your decision. I'm not going to come up to you and say, hey, uh, cut that person out of your life. Do that because that's not what we're talking about at all. Number five would be this. Yes, we must be willing to shake up our circle. So maybe it's, okay, I need to work through conflict. Or maybe it's, no, this person is actually poisonous to my life. The influence, the things that they're saying, what I'm going through. Like, I need a little bit of distance. Everybody say boundaries. Boundaries okay, right? I want to share this phrase, when done in the right way, let me clarify. When done in the right way, shaking up your circle is not betrayal. And this is where the enemy wants us to fear because the moment we feel like maybe I shouldn't be as close to that person, what if they feel like I just left them, right? And let me be very crystal clear whether you're watching online or in the room, marriage is completely different. The Lord calls us to work through all of that, okay? But I'm talking about your friendships, your mentors, who you would call your inner core. When done in the right way, shaking up your circle is not betrayal. I was talking to a mentor, and I'll never forget this. We were in his office, and I was saying, Pastor, he's one of my mentors, I was saying, What helped you continue to grow in your journey? He's in his 60s now. Pastor's a large church down in Georgia. And he said, Andy, He said, only the few The few people that are willing to make a hard decision to change their relationships, they will continue to move forward. They will be the ones to succeed, to see the fruit that God has for them. And I don't know where you're at because I'm probably just preaching to some of you, right? Because maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you feel convicted. You're like, man, I need to make unity. I need to make sure that we're on the same page. I need to work through this. But there are moments in our life where God calls us to let go okay. Can I just encourage you, give you the permission? That's okay. You're not betraying them. God has other people that He can bring to them. You are not their Savior. Sometimes we get in this Savior complex, right? Well, I have to be there to to drag them along, to get them to move along. No, no. Jesus says the Lord is their shepherd. They lack nothing, right? Right? He can send other people into their life, but it has to be done in the right way. What I'm not saying is, oh, okay, today I uh, never text these seven people ever again. And I don't tell them why. Actually, a lot of times in a healthy way, if you feel like you need to have distance from someone to say, man, I want to go all in for God, have a conversation with them. Say, man, I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate the time that we spent together, our relationship, but, but I just need a little bit of space for what God's doing in my life. Are you okay with that? Does that make sense? Are you with me? But some of us, we, we stay too long. We put it off. We're in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe you're not married yet. Maybe it's just toxic. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a working relationship. And we stay, and we stay, and we stay. Because, like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want them to think I betrayed them. I don't want them to think that all these things, right? All those thoughts go through my mind when I've had to make these decisions. And I'm reminded of this scripture, Matthew 7, 6. Jesus, he said, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample under them, under their feet, and turn and tear you to pieces. I know that's like a super strong scripture. What Jesus is saying is it's okay to have boundaries in your life. It's okay. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. What Jesus is saying is this: let me ask you a question. What is at the core of a piece of fruit? If I'm holding an apple, what's at the core? The seeds of our core, right? Of our life They represent our purity Our calling Our dreams Our future Our security If we are openly handing those seeds to people That are naysayers, doubters They want nothing to do with Jesus And they're speaking into your life Your decisions We're like throwing our pearls to the pigs The most precious things of our life Maybe it's our actual purity Our sexuality Our virginity Jesus says, guard your heart from the wrong people. And let me encourage you, because I know that it can be fearful. I know at times it may feel like you're going to be lonely for a season. I've been there before. When God wants to change your season, when He wants to move you to a new city, new friendships, it can feel lonely. And let me just be honest. You might feel lonely for a season, but let me encourage you with this word right here. The breakthrough will often come. Right after the shakeup. When it's done in the right way, when it is of God, not just, oh, I'm fed up with them, I'm never talking to them. No, when it's actually like, this relationship is poisonous to my life. This cannot be on the inner core of my life anymore. It just can't. It's holding me back. The breakthrough will often come right after the shakeup. And and let me encourage you, I shared this a few weeks ago. I know this is funny, but I can't tell you how many times in my life where I was dating someone as a high school or college student and God was calling me out. I know some of us say, oh, well, you can marry whoever you want. No, I really believe God leads us in those decisions with detailed discernment. And those times where I finally was done with the delay, I was done with putting it off, I know God was speaking to me. I know, first off, delayed obedience is disobedience. I know that's a hard word, but, but God wants our yes. Yes. When we know we're becoming more mature, our yes will get quicker. God, I know you're asking me to do this, so I'm going to say yes today. I'm not going to wait six years. Maybe God gave one of you a word seven months ago, and you're like still putting it off. But the breakthrough, you guys, will often come right after that step of faith. Another way to say it would be this. Anytime God calls you to give something up, I know it's, it can be discouraging, it can be fearful. He has something better in return. He's got better friends for you He has a better circle of people And you might feel lonely In that gap you might feel like Whoa my, my world is turning upside down God is re-networking your life And it's not easy And sometimes people will misrepresent you They'll say he betrayed us He ran from us oh, blah blah. We can't control how people respond right We can come with truth and love This is the best of how I can explain it This is what God's calling me to do They may not understand. Would you stand to your feet and we'll be done? Let's wrap up the whole series. So we talked about having a strong intimacy, a relationship with God, to have a strong core. We have to have strong vertical relationship and then we have to have a strong identity. Man, this is what God says about me. Enough with the lies. Enough about what culture is teaching me. Follow my heart. No, no, no. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. I need to know what God says in His Word, and then we need to be living. Everybody say purity, purity, a pure life. But but Jesus is not asking us to to hide ourselves in our house for the rest of our life. No, Jesus was at the table, but Jesus was perfectly in the world and not of the world. And so He brings us to this moment to remind us of this. If you if you want to be a strong believer, you have to have a strong. Everybody say core. So Matthew 7:24 through 25, this is where we'll close. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, we can't just hear a sermon. We have to actually put it into practice. When you hear these words and you do it, you're like a wise, everybody say wise. You're like a wise man or a woman who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Let me just encourage you, whether you're watching online or in the room, you cannot just have a strong relationship with God. And that may sound crazy. Wait, wait, no, we sing Christ alone, Christ alone. No, no. God cares about us so much that He sent people. A body of believers... Yes, you have that vertical relationship with Him, but God loves us so much that He wants someone to walk alongside you, to put their hand on your back and remind you, to encourage you, to pray for you, to say, I'm going to text you and I'm going to be praying for you. God loves us so much, He wants to represent Himself through people. Isn't that amazing? If you want to have a strong core, we need all four of these. And so this last phrase, with a strong core, no matter what life throws at you, you will not be shaken. In Jesus' name. So many of us are asking out of our circumstances, when is life going to change? When is life going to be easier? When is that rest going to come? When is that promotion going to come? God is saying, no, 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 I know those things are important and I care about those things. But what I'm doing in you is about your heart. It's so that you have an identity, an intimacy, a purity, a confidence, a circle of people that's so strong. It doesn't matter what's happening in your finances. It doesn't matter what happens if you go through this trial, if sickness comes against you. Jesus says, if you are living on my firm foundation, you will not be shaken. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. That you made a way where there was no way. That you sent your Son, Jesus, to die a death that we deserved. You stood in our place with a crown of thorns on your head, with your hands pierced to the cross, your feet pierced to the cross. You were thinking of us. You were praying for us. You died for us. And as the blood dripped down your face, God, you even said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You gave us such a strong core, an eternal core that no one could take. And you didn't just die on the cross, but you rose from the grave. You didn't just forgive us, but you said, I want to give my people freedom. So you rose from the grave. You sent your spirit and you didn't just send your spirit to live inside of us, but you sent people, you sent the body of Christ so that we would tangibly experience we are not alone. You'll never leave us, God. You'll never forsake us. Even if it feels like we're lonely, the truth is we are never alone with you, God. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give a first response. Whether you're watching online or in the room, if anyone wants to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you know you are one foot in, one foot out. Today is the day that you want to go all in for God. You want to know that you are saved To know that you will go to heaven, that you will have an eternal future, that this is now your life. Would you just raise your hand this morning if that's you? There's no shame, there's no condemnation. If there's anyone in the room or watching online, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? For anyone who wants to pray this prayer, let's just pray silently in our heart. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your blood that was shed for me. Lord, I receive the free gift of salvation. I ask for forgiveness, God. And I don't just ask for forgiveness, but I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. I receive your Spirit as a deposit into my heart, guaranteeing my future, guaranteeing my inheritance, guaranteeing what is yet to be seen and what is to come. And I want to live for you the rest of my life. With heads bowed eyes closed, I want to give a separate response to any of the believers, whether they're watching online or in the room. And you know there is a relationship that God is calling you to shake up. Or maybe God is calling you to work through conflict, to stay planted where you're at. Only you know because, God, you speak to us individually. You know us by name. You speak to us as a friend. And so, God, I pray for the believers first that you would just help them see clearly. Hear clearly your voice. Give them discernment, wisdom. If there's anyone that's a believer that you know God is speaking to you this morning, would you just raise your hand? You know God is calling you to, to either stay planted or continue to shake up your circle. Maybe it's scary. You can put your hands down. God, I want to pray a blessing over the believers right now. That where they feel anxious, where they fear, feel fearful, that you would replace it with peace, with shalom, with With the truth that Isaiah 55 says that your ways are higher than ours. Your thoughts are higher than ours. You see our life from the beginning to the end. And you know how you will bless that decision. You know how you will honor our obedience and our boundaries. Give strength to those that you are calling to stay exactly where they're at. Bless all the marriages in this room, Lord. I know that the enemy wants to come against the marriages because it's a representation of the gospel. We bind the enemy in Jesus' name this morning, Lord. We thank you that our marriages will thrive, that our marriages will find unity, our marriages will be rooted. Lord, give us what we need this morning. We're going to give you the glory. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Come on, everybody said. Amen. God is good, right? He's so good that He loves us so much. Can we just praise Him one time? You're so good, God. You are so glorious. And we always at One Church, we want to end with a song of pro- a proclamation. To say, hey, we don't want to just hear a sermon and hear a message and say, okay, let's leave. But we want to say, I'm declaring my decision today in Jesus' name. I'm declaring that God is moving me forward, that there is a future that is bright for me. And so when we go back into worship, we don't have to dwell on yesterday, amen. We don't have to dwell on all the crazy things that have happened to us. But we can, what the Bible says, see that He's doing a new thing. He's blessing us and giving us a new future. So let's worship out of that posture. We're we're about to sing praise the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Let's worship as if Jesus is in the room because we know He is, right? How would you worship God if He were right here with us? Let's praise Him. Let's thank Him one more time and we'll be done.